Okay, so episode number 27 of the Evolve podcast. Now, this episode is going to kick off my guest series. So the idea is I'm going to get a few different coaches um, from my local area. I'm going to throw a few things around. We're going to talk about a few different topics. Um, So you'll be able to hear things from a few different perspectives and hopefully provide you with a lot more value. So guest number one is an extremely special guest, I have to say. Wouldn't you agree? I wouldn't say that, but it's very kind of you to say that. <laughs> so we have episode number one, Chris Patch. Now, Chris and me go way, way back. Uh, Chris opened the door for me uh, into the industry many, many years ago. I can't even keep track of how many years ago it is now, but long, long time ago. We started in the industry and Chris was the guy that opened the door to me. Now, Chris is the owner and founder of Switch Gym in Hayward Seath. Um, so anybody local to the area would have likely heard of, of Switch Gym. Um, and how long have you been going now, Chris, at Switch uh, coming up for eight years now. Eight years, goodness me. So now what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to talk about a few bits and bobs, but the main topic we're going to sink our teeth into is diabetes. And I think it's safe to say, and you'd agree with this one, Chris, that it's not, people don't have a great knowledge around diabetes, particularly type one. Um, type two is obviously a lot more common, but you know, we generally find people don't have a great understanding. Would you agree with that? Unfortunately, yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, the, the, the problem is, and especially for, for people uh, of my age, when we first became diabetic, type 1 diabetic as kids, we were sort of led into a room as children, shown these horrendous pictures on the wall of this is what happens if you don't control it. You, look, you go blind, you lose your legs, you lose your hands, you lose the feeling in, your, in the rest of your body. And it, it kind of just freaks you out. Mm. But from then, because you're so freaked out, you kind of just put the blinkers on and you don't tend to delve into it as deeply as you, you really should. Yeah. So so what at what point when were you sat down and told that this is the condition that you have? You know, what stages of your life was that? Um so straight away I you know, I for me I'd been on a family holiday. I felt exceedingly ill. Um, I'd wound my parents up because I had no energy. I just wanted to drink water and, and diet Coke all the time. And then when we got back, I got taken to the hospital and they they did a blood test and admitted me straight away. And, and sort of that was it. They just sort of said, right, this is what you've got. This is how you control it. Um, I mean, in those days, we had old syringes with bottles of insulin that we had to mix ourselves. It's come on so far, but, you know, there was never really any education behind it. Wow. So let's just take things back to basics. Now, when we talk about diabetes, I mean, we've got the two, I mean, you're a type one diabetic. Do you want to just explain as simply as possible, you know, what type one diabetes is? Okay. So type one diabetes is basically what used to be called sort of child onset diabetes. And it's basically where an, an autoimmune disease where the body attacks the beta cells in the pancreas and, and basically knocks them out. So we produce very little or no insulin at all. Yeah. So when we look at type 2 diabetes, what's the big difference between the type 1 and the type 2? Well, just to annoy everyone at the, straight off, type 2 doesn't, isn't really a thing. It does, doesn't count if you do it to yourself. But um, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> just joking, Marlo, just joking. Could I put but up no, a can there, couldn't we? But let's not go <laughs> Yeah, I know. And honestly, I was joking. Um, 
So type 2 diabetes is you produce insulin, but you've got a defective insulin signaling um, situation going on where you're either um, not secreting enough insulin or you're not uh, being able to put it into the muscles um, through the receptor sites. Yeah, so this, this is very important because let's face it, type 2 diabetes, I would argue now, is probably a, more common than it's ever been. I mean, if you look at America in particular, um, I think as far as I last read, there's the highest recorded number of people diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in the United States of America. Um, and growing. It is, and growing. It, it's a huge, huge problem. Um, yeah. So, you know, when, when we sort of talk about the ins and outs of it, what people really don't understand, it's quite shocking when they first hear this, is that too much glucose in your bloodstream will kill you. It's toxic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a completely um, toxic thing. That's why your body works so hard to to remove it. If it was if it wasn't causing any issues, your body would carry along nicely. But no, it, it, the body desperately tries to get rid of it. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we, we spoke about this briefly before, but. <sighs> Everybody that kind of knows me knows I'm really big at putting analogies on things. I like to try and simplify the science. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, explaining this whole situation. Like we, we've got a, let's consider a cell. So let's just picture a nice round circle for argument's sake. And the cell you could consider as like a nightclub and your glucose, which is in the bloodstream waiting to get into the cell. Your sugars could be considered, say, the punters, the customers that want to come into the nightclub. And what we've essentially got here is we have a doorman. So there's a little door that that sugar is supposed to go into that we know on cells. In this case, it's a receptor. Uh, and let's say that we've got a doorman, a bouncer that's sitting there and he has to let this glucose in. They have to let these people into this nightclub. Right. So we've got the manager who will determine who's coming in and who's not. So we'll signal the doorman and say, you can let this glucose in, you can't. So the way I sort of talk about type one and type two diabetes, and you'll be able to like, elaborate on this a lot more. But essentially with type one diabetes, it's almost like we have no nightclub manager. We know we're not making insulin. We don't have the, the insulin there. But when it comes to type two diabetes, we've pretty much got issues with the receptors. So it's almost like the doorman's not there. You may still be producing insulin, but it's not able to get into the cell. Would you would you argue that's a, a good way of looking at things to try and keep things simple or elaborate on that analogy? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So type two, you're right. There's plenty of punters, but there's no doorman to let them in. The door's bolted yeah. shut. Whereas with type one, there's plenty of doorman there. There's just no punters coming through because you've... Or the, no, sorry, you're right. Yeah, so the insulin isn't there to help drive the, the, uh, the punters in. Yeah, so essentially we're in the absence of the nightclub manager, which is a big, big problem. Yeah. So, you know, when we sort of explain that to people, I think what we try and do a lot as coaches is really educate people as to the ins and outs of, you know, what's going on in the human body. And, and obviously the next topic is, you know, how we can manage this. Now, we won't go into the ins and outs of type one because management, as we discussed before, it gets <laughs> a hell of a lot to it, a hell of a lot to it. So we're going to leave that for another time. If we want to go deep, if we get enough people that give us feedback on this, we can go deeper into that. But we're going to discuss more type two diabetes. Now, essentially, what, what would you say the biggest reason we see people diagnosed with type two? What are the lifestyle factors that have contributed to that? Uh, so obesity is a is a major one. Um, lack of movement, a lack of moving around, lack of muscle tissue, um, processed food, high in, high in sugar, high in salt foods, all the, the the usual things that you would you would sort of target if you were avoiding a, an unhealthy diet. And we can also, I mean, there is evidence to support that you know from a 
uh, a genetic standpoint that you can be potentially predisposed. Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on? So I, I have a saying, which is, you know, genetics load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. I mean, would you agree with that? If you may have a history in your family, but it doesn't necessarily mean to say that it's going to come and get you if you follow the right lifestyle habits. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for me, my, my mum, my dad, my sister, we're all diabetics. Um, so you're absolutely right. The, the the genetic disposition will increase your chances of getting it, but clearly a, a poor lifestyle choice will make that decision even easier. And this is such an important conversation to have because not just with the subject of type 2 diabetes, but a lot of things, people use the excuse like, to feel a bit like, well, oh, it's in my family, so you know, I'm going to get... It's like, well, should that really be an excuse to disregard a lot of the lifestyle habits that you can and you do have control over? Um, you know, we find that kind of defeatist mindset that's almost like I've lost this battle when actually, you know, you could fight back quite a lot with, with many, many things in your lifestyle. Absolutely. Mindset is a, a massive thing. I mean, with a lot of my clients, I, I work with more type ones um, than I do type twos, just purely because, you know, I've got I know what to do with insulin timing um, and things like that. And what workout types do to to glucose management and things like that. But yeah, you're right. So I mean, if we're going to sort of give it, if anyone's listening to this, and like, let's say we we may have people there that are say pre-diabetic, and they've sat down with the doctor, and the doctor said, if you don't control this, you know, you are likely to get type two. I mean, I have a, a client at the moment who is in remission now. You know, we've got his blood sugar a lot more under control. He's following a lot more. Um, lifestyle habits and routines he's exercising every day you know he's looking at his food intake um, so for those that might be listening to this and thinking right well I certainly don't want to go down that route they may have been told that they're likely to go down that route what are the kind of top things to be looking to factor into your lifestyle to make sure that we are at as minimal risk as possible to picking up type 2 diabetes so I think the first thing to do is to kind of look at classify what pre-diabetes is so Pre-diabetes, you would have an elevated blood glucose level, but it wouldn't be elevated quite enough to be classed as as type two. Yeah. So when I say pre-diabetes, it's pretty much you're you're damn close to being there. It's it's you know you can't hang around and mess about and think that this will go back by itself. So so, so some of the warning signs that people could look for. So I mean we can't tell everybody to start pricking their finger every morning, but what we can do is say look well. Let's say if you are feeling very low in energy, I mean, what are the warning signs that we could look out for to potentially trigger us to maybe start looking at our own blood glucose uh, at certain times of day or in the morning or whatever? What are the sort of signs we look for before we stepped up to testing to see where we're at? Uh, so uh, lack of appetite, uh, weight loss, uh, a thirst uh, that's not really quenched by by drinking and low energy levels. Got you. So, I mean, testing kits are readily available online. I mean, you can pick up 20, 25 quid. You can pick up a very good testing kit uh, and you can have a look at your own blood glucose. And this is something that people don't just do from a diabetic standpoint. You know, you've got people doing this for optimal body composition, for performance things. So, you know, it's something that is in our power to do ourselves, just like blood pressure. So, you know, if someone is displaying those signs, we could say, right, well, if you are displaying any of those symptoms that you have just described, it may be worth actually seeing what your blood glucose is doing um, rather than waiting till it's too late for a doctor to say, yes, unfortunately, you're type 2 diabetic now. Yeah, absolutely. The thing to remember is that you will have a natural fluctuation after food anyway. Um, 
diabetic or non-diabetic. But what the rule seems to be, I believe, is that if your blood sugar levels are recording at about 11, then they would suggest that you have diabetes and it's time to, to go and get it looked at properly. But as I said, it's it's dangerous to say, just go and pick up a blood glucose kit, do a blood test. Because if you do one and it's you've had something exceedingly sugary or something, or you've got sugar, you haven't washed your hands properly, or the soap that you use has, has had an effect on the, the blood stick. It's, it's important to not just sort of do one, see that it's 10 or 11 and, and lose your mind. Lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, this is important because, you know, like you quite rightly said, when we eat foods, we get different blood glucose responses. And people always, a lot of time, just think that, that comes from only carbohydrates. So we can we get blood sugar um, rises from other things as well. It's not simply carbohydrates that are the culprit here. And yes, we know some will spike that more than others. But yeah, a very good point to make there. Definitely that you've got to look at different times of day, you know, upon waking in the morning after certain meals, you call you postprandial reading. So there's plenty of different times of day. And, you know, it's just looking at an average. So I think, you know, if, if you are listening to this and thinking, yeah, do you know what? You know, I do need to keep, to keep an eye on this. Then certainly look for the signs first. Um, always go and seek your doctor's advice if you're not sure. Just book yourself an appointment um, because it is becoming more and more common nowadays. But look, the best thing you can do, I think we can safely agree, is you want to be more active. You know, look at getting your, your simple things like your daily step count up. You know, have a look at your food. Look at your total caloric intake over the day. Use tracking softwares. And I think it's safe to say, Chris, you'd agree that just education is so important massively so massively so picking up on a point you made a minute ago about it's not just carbohydrate we were always told that it's only carbohydrate that will increase your blood glucose level mm. but we now know that protein intake will also do the same thing so for example for myself and a lot of my clients if we're having a big um feeding of protein we will bolus as in give ourselves more insulin to help deal with that and also high protein, high fat meals, low carbohydrate meals will also have an effect on your blood glucose sugar to to raise it. So we need to be be aware of that. But, yeah, the, the, something that's really important is if you're going to exercise, do the right sort of exercise. So your cardiovascular exercise will help as it does with everything. But resistance training is really good because, of, as we know, an increased muscle mass is basically more storage for glucose. So. The, the training itself will help to move GLUT4 receptors and help to bring in more insulin and, and sugars into the, into the cell. But it also makes that much more of a storage unit, which gets it out of the bloodstream. Absolutely. It's like if you want a bigger hotel, make more rooms for the punters kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, think, I mean, the term I think that we're not going to go into sort of too much detail, but I think the term for right, is insulinogenic certain foods that we refer to them as. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, important point to make there, because uh, as you quite rightly said, people just think carbohydrates straight away. And that, that's that's certainly not the case. So, you know, what, what we'll do is we'll just give you a few takeaways. So in short, if you are any of the symptoms that you are feeling that Chris mentioned earlier, you know, if you're losing appetite, if it's any sort of rapid weight loss, you know, these things, if you are experiencing any change to your behaviors, any change to the way you feel, always seek your doctor's advice because, you know, blood sugar management is very, very important. 
Um, but in terms of, of looking at, like you quite rightly said there, Chris, like lifestyle factors, resistance training, absolute weapon, absolute weapon in the attack to get better blood glucose management and fend off potential type 2 diabetes or issues with your blood sugar, um, steady state cardio, getting your steps up, you know, all of those things um, are going to massively matter. And this is no, nothing new, is it? Let's be honest. A lot of the advice, but everything comes back to the basics, really, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. But you, there's so much more on the line. Absolutely. You know, what I mean? you know, for everyday general pops, it's a good idea to do all those things. But, you know, diabetes uncontrolled is a killer. 100%. And if it doesn't kill you, it will make your life an absolute misery. And if you have it, especially type one, the key is to educate yourself and learn as much as you can about it. Learn how your body responds to exercise. Learn how your body responds to different foods. Learn how your body responds to the insulin that you're taking and when you're taking it and what it's doing. Learn as much about you and the condition. And that makes life so much easier. So in short, this is an extremely personal thing. I mean, that's your world. I mean, you specialize in working with, with type 1 diabetics. Um, and it is, it's even more personal than you know, the, the average client that I would coach, you know, just a body composition, fat loss client. You have to dig a lot deeper and you have to know that client at a much deeper level. So, I mean, you would argue that your area in the prof- is, is a very deep one and you know, something you have to really practice and, 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 and increase your knowledge to an extent where you can serve these people. So, amazing. Absolutely. I mean, it is personal to me. I've been a tight one for longer than I care to mention, which is like 30-odd years now. I've got two children that are young that I want to, run around with and see grow up it, it it is personal and it's something that i'm extremely passionate about and helping as many type one and and type twos as i can is is what i feel like i was put here to do amazing so we're going to wrap it up there so chris if, if anyone's listening to this and wants to get in touch with you and um either work with you one-to-one or just get some more information and advice on the subject of diabetes you know where, where's the best place to, to get hold of you uh, so best place is probably to contact me um, via Facebook, which is just Chris Patch, or to go through the Switch Gym or s- the new Switch Academy uh, websites, um, and you can contact me on there and ask any questions and I can get back to you. Awesome. So what we'll do um, after this podcast, I'll put a, provide a link to the new Academy and Switch Gym, so you can always get in touch with Chris via that. Um, or just give me a shout and I can put you in touch with Chris. But guys, we're going to wrap it up there. Chris, thank you ever so much for jumping on the episode. It's been absolutely brilliant. I appreciate you having me on, my man. No problemo. Right, guys, I'll see you on the next podcast.